The CFRN E-Mini Futures Cast is now on Stitcher. Listen to us on your iPhone, Android phones, BlackBerry, and WebOS phones. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at Stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. You're listening to CFRN, a community of believers who trade for a living. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and how we do it, call toll-free 1-866-928-3310, and we'll send you out a no-obligation information kit absolutely free. 866-928-3310. Hey, good afternoon, folks. Welcome back. Today is Friday, the 5th day of July, 2013. You're listening to episode number two of Releasing Kings, the podcast. We have the author with us here today, uh, Mr. John Garfield, and we're going to talk about having fun, making money, and loving people. Now, that sounds like a party to me. John, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dwayne. It's good to be here. How's your week been? Did you have a nice 4th of July? I did. I uh, made a lot of money trading this week, so I'm happy. Did you? So, well, tell me about the 4th. Uh, fireworks? Barbecue? We actually uh, can stay home and watch them from our deck. That's nice. <laughs> and I have a son-in-law who brings over a big bag of fireworks and lights them off. Now, where you live, uh, fireworks are illegal? Not every place, but um, yeah. right where we are, they are legal, and then they have several uh, shows around the, the city. Okay. So I grew up in Augusta, Georgia, a little town outside of Augusta, and fireworks were illegal in Georgia, but just right across the, the uh, state line in South mm-hmm. Carolina, they were legal. And so that was the big thing on 4th of July, you know, <laughs> traffic was backed up getting from Georgia into South Carolina so you could get those bootleg fireworks and uh, smuggle them back into the state. Yeah. And uh, I remember as a kid, uh, because we were in a small town, we didn't have any of the big displays like like last night. We went downtown Phoenix, and as we do every year, and we got to see the display. And up until a few years ago, uh, my CPA... Uh, Bunny, she's my CPA for quite a few years. She owned a penthouse, condo, well, I guess it was kind of the top floor of a mid-rise building in downtown Phoenix. And you could go out on her patio, which was huge up there, and look down upon the city and see the fireworks. You know how you're normally at ground level and you watch them go up? Yeah. Well, our vantage point allowed us to look down and sort of see them coming at you, really? and then go and then go right past you, and then keep climbing. And uh, yeah, it was really pretty neat. Uh, but when uh, the real estate market went through the roof, uh, she cashed out and uh, took her profits and went out to one of the suburbs here in Phoenix and uh, deployed those funds and had money left over to put in the Ooh. bank. So yeah, yeah. it's good. Good move on her part. Excellent the, move. Caught yeah, that the, just right. <laughs> she did. She she timed that uh, that perfectly. Now before the fire, you said along with fireworks, you uh, you had a good week of trading. 
Tell, tell me, uh, John, are you trading intraday swing trading? What, what are you doing these days? No, I'm uh, following uh, the uh, swing shot to the letter as near as I can. Okay. On the, uh, right. I'm trading gold, so I, sometimes I use an, an eight-tick range chart instead of a four-tick. You know, I think you're as good as fella as any to ask this, and then we'll get into today's topic. One of our partners who is, and I won't mention any names, but he is a missionary. He lives in another country, and what their mission is is they go into these smaller towns, and I do hope I get the, the story right here, is they find uh, believers and they help them start businesses because I think you and I talked to some degree about this last week as we go into other countries to help folks uh, sometimes we write checks and we we donate and we do what we can but there's a great need to help people to become self-sufficient via you know whatever economic and, and so this is what he actually does and he's on the boots on the ground doing this thing, living the life, and he's also trading with us now as a partner, and someone had asked him a question, how is day trading, what you're doing, how is that different from gambling? And I wrote him a reply, and uh, we talked about it a bit on the radio uh, this week or last week, but what's your take on that? I know you've been around trading for a while, and so you've probably had that question put to you at some point in time. Yeah, I think gambling, I mean, you don't control the odds trading this, you know, buying low and selling high, <laughs> or, or vice versa, if you're in a short. I just think, you know, my thing with trading, Duane, is that uh, I just believe we're in a kingdom situation now where there's a, you know, the emphasis has gone through a lot of different things over the years um, from, you know, in the, we might have talked about this last week, but, you know, we've been through the prophetic movement in the 70s and 80s and, you know, the uh, before that, you know, pastors and teachers were kind of brought back into the church. When I got saved in 1970, it was a real teaching era. And there are some just really great teachers. Um, and, and then the prophetic movement in the 70s and 80s and the apostolic thing kind of started in the 90s. And uh, I just think now the emphasis uh, is on kingdom. And specifically, it's on learning how to create wealth and do ministry. And uh, trading is just one of those ways. You know, I don't think it's the only one. I don't even think trading is for everybody. But, you know, it's... Uh, something I've been doing for the last four years, and I wouldn't say that I've traditionally been good at it either, but I, I enjoy it. So, you know, it's a well, it's it, it's a it's a job, it's a skill set. Uh, just because someone wants to do it doesn't necessarily mean, as you said, that they are cut out for it. Yeah. But I do believe that most people, if they apply themselves, uh, can learn it. But my response. To the to the gambling thing, because I I could tell from my friend's email that it was kind of you know 
kind of concerning to him. And so my response was when I go to Vegas to gamble, which I don't because I don't, I'm not a gambler. Uh, I'm ga- but I was trying to make a point. I'm gambling because the odds are not in my favor. In yeah. order to realize a profit, I would need to get lucky. Yeah. When I place a high probability trade, the odds are very much in my favor. Yeah. There is risk involved, but not a gamble. Yeah. Any investment that carries a reasonable rate of return will have corresponding risk. <laughs> Many people bought houses in 2004, 2005 and lost their shirt, yet no one calls that gambling because they were investing in real estate and their timing was off. Yeah. If someone buys raw land because they believe someday a developer will want to build on it, is that gambling or is that investing? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. there, there's another thing about that, Duane, is, mm-hmm. and that is, uh, particularly in the church, there is a sort of a no-risk attitude, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think gambling is quite the right term, but anything that involves faith or anything that involves being an entrepreneur involves mm-hmm. risk, and some people do call that gambling, and the, the fact is we got to learn how to manage risk or, or we're always going to be, you know, just living from paycheck to paycheck and making no difference. We're called to do something dip better than that. I, you know, I there's agree. A, there's a higher call. And, uh, you know, if you don't know what you're doing in trading, it is gambling. That, that's right. That's right. If you if you don't know if you don't know what a high probability trade is, and you yeah. are not executing high probability trades, then you are gambling. And the reason uh, that the casinos do so well is because the odds are in their favor. They wrote the rules. They have skewed the odds in their favor. And as long as they follow their own rules, over the long haul, over the bigger sample size, they are, in fact, going to come out ahead. Now, I think a lot of people do get hung up on time frames because we were raised to think that investing was kind of like you know, a job where you ultimately retire and get the gold watch is that an investment time frame would be five years, 10 years, 20 years. And the fact that for me as someone who trades intraday, the fact that my risk is hours, sometimes, you know, a matter of minutes, I think some people just have a hard time connecting with that concept that how could that be okay because you aren't really working there you're not breaking a sweat <laughs> uh, well here's here's my thought too on this this land deal that I've got to wait 20 years for it to appreciate and then hope that a developer really does come along and want to build on it well 20 years that's a lot of exposure to a lot of things that can go wrong a failed economy, I mean, all sorts of things can happen over 20 years. So, you know, I have less uh, exposure. Now, the, the, the thing I closed with was when the rich man left town on business and made his servants stewards, how long was he gone? And I don't believe uh, there is an answer there. Um the question I left him with was, how many days? How many days is no longer gambling? I mean, if one day 
you know, if day trading is gambling, what about two days or three days or once it hits a week? You know, the mind's like a parachute. It must be open to work. And so some people won't ever just connect that, and, and it'll always be. And I, I suggested to him, I go, you know, you can just state your belief and what you feel, but but you're you're not necessarily called to change their way of thinking. Yeah. But you also have to be careful that you don't allow it to to rattle you and and to sway you from something that you seem to be uh, showing some promise at, and may very well be the answer yeah. to uh, what you're trying to do because you are doing ministry. You're on the ground. Uh, it's not something you're thinking about and dreaming about. You're involved, and you need to generate income, and you seem to be on track. So we have to be, you know, people want to speak truths into our lives a lot of times, and it might be, well, you know, God spoke that to you, but he hasn't spoke it to me yet, and and I'm listening, and so I believe if, if he wants me to get that, uh, that I'm going to hear it, so... Anyway, I don't want to get too far off today's topic, but that's just something that it's kind of been in my mind because we have uh, assembled a great group of believers, and there is something electric in the air right now because I'm seeing uh, more people who are having greater success and actually seeing their dreams realized um, more more so than I than I ever have and I'm talking about in the in the financial realm now what about you are you are you seeing or sensing or feeling something different oh yeah I mean there I've, I've got some friends who are just having some huge breakthroughs and you know beneath all that is a sort of a you know, we're in an era where people are allowing themselves to have dreams. And uh, you know, that's a sort of a theme in our book, the, the difference between servants and kings, if you will. But uh, that's becoming a reality. People are, are not afraid to uh, ask God for the desires of their heart. And, uh, and the fact is, that's, that's you know, a, a good way to find the will of God is to you know, look into the desires of your heart. And you know, theologically, that just wasn't on the table. And, uh, you know, that's not where I came from. I had to, I had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> I thought yeah. we were all supposed to be servants and obedient and just do what we're told. And, uh, how, how does that scripture go, John, about God giving a man the desires of his heart? How does that go? in uh, John 15, 15. In mm -hmm. fact, it's on the sixth slide, if you want to pull it up. Oh, okay. There's a whole bunch of verses like that. that are, it's, it's like a theme. <clears throat> that, uh, okay. So it just says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. Everything I've learned, I've made from my Father I made known to you, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. It's a powerful concept. And Jesus repeats it four and more times, <laughs> right there in the same you know, two-chapter stretch. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, I mean, there's 
another half dozen in the Psalms. Now, this particular uh, piece of scripture, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I have heard this uh, taught and preached two different ways. I know how I uh, understand it and how I preach it when I'm called to preach it. <laughs> and it says, again, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, one take on that is, well, if the desire of your heart is a, is a new boat, he's going to give you a new boat. Another way of understanding that scripture is delight yourself in the Lord. In other words, walking close with the Lord, having the heart of the Father, and he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, the desires that you have in your heart. Not, not that there's anything wrong with a boat. Boat people, please don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I believe that what God is trying to convey to us here is that if we're walking uh, in step with him, that he will put his desires in our heart. And the things that we begin to desire and to want and to pray for and to cry out for will be the very things that God himself wants. Exactly. Is, is that how you interpret that scripture? Yep. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people hear that and, uh, you know, because we've had such a servant mentality, they say to themselves, well, it's, I've got to learn to love being a missionary in Africa. You know, <laughs> and so I'll, you know, or or I'm just me and God are just not on the same page. But uh, the fact is, and this is a quote from I believe it's Ezekiel 37. It says, it, "I'm looking at Hebrews 8 verse 10. It says this is a covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts." Same verse in. Uh, Hebrews 8, 10, and 12, uh, 16, I think it is. Um, but the point is uh, that God created us. He wired us with a certain personality, certain gifts. Um, you know, even our circumstances uh, shape us in certain ways. And, and then uh, our paths cross with certain opportunities. And all of us are, are unique. And uh, the, here's the, the real fact that what he's called us to do, what he's, you know, what is in his will, what he's written in his heart, really is more fun than a boat. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's the truth of it. It's not like uh, you know I'm bearing some big cross. I, I'm having a ball doing what I was created to do, and. Uh, and it is, it really is more fun than a boat. Okay, and I got, I used to have a boat myself, so I know what it is to have a boat. <laughs> and uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with having hobbies and you know using right. your spare time to do something that's fun. But you know, when when uh, you really connect with the Father, get involved in the kingdom, and and have the a genuine opportunity to do what the Father's doing, which which is something He's already put in your heart. 
and have a dream, it doesn't get better than that. I mean, doing what the Father's doing and feeling the anointing and the power that goes with it, you know, I, there, there's nothing that competes with that. And, uh, you know, you, when you think about you're going to have to give up something, I'm not giving up a thing. You know, I, I have learned that s some of the things that I thought I wanted, you know, in terms of hobbies or possessions or some of that kind of stuff, I, I've got them, and, and they weren't particularly fulfilling. I got tired of them. <laughs> but uh, God is something that you don't get tired of. He's, no, every every day is fresh. Every day yeah. is new. And and I spent so many years of my life chasing the things of the flesh, yeah. never ever feeling fully satisfied. And I had yeah. the trappings of success. I had a car, you know, the cars and the houses and the. And, and I I talked a little bit about you know the the dark side of my life for years there. Where, but even in the midst of my debauchery, I had an almost an uncanny ability to somehow still uh, earn a earn a good living you know and and people would look at me and just you know, think that everything was okay uh, but there was always this emptiness this thing that never quite got met and 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 I I truly believed that Serving God is what you just said that it that it meant a tremendous amount of sacrifice that I was yeah. I was going to have to give up yeah. all of these things and man was was I willing to do that was I willing to make the sacrifice only to find out that once I willingly laid it all down and began to seek the heart of the Father that I was I suddenly found fulfillment that gosh I, I never even imagined there could yeah. be such a thing and now my grandmother as I was growing up she tried to convey that to me yeah. she tried to explain it to me yeah. I mean when she would take me with her on a Saturday night to a little country church to a gospel sing she would just on the way she would just almost be giddy you know yeah. she was just oh son it's so wonderful to have a church family and to to be able to fellowship with them and pray with them and sing with them oh god is so yeah. good and i remember sitting there in the car eight nine ten years old however whatever it was rolling my eyes and thinking yeah. oh this just makes me a little queasy you know <laughs> i i <laughs> And then, and then, once I crossed over to the light side, you know, at 37, I all of a sudden, all these things that she had told me and tried to explain to me to, to get me on the right path, it, it was like tumblers, you know, falling into place in a lock when you turn the key. Yeah. I was like, oh my, this is what she meant. Yeah. Oh, and so now here I was, I was in business. And suddenly I was earning money like I had never imagined. And the most amazing thing is God sewed up the hole in my pocket. Uh, it was no longer, you know, a bottomless pocketbook that I was carrying because I had taken my focus off of myself and trying to amass wealth for myself and my own yeah. devices. I, I truly only wanted to 
have money so that I can keep that women's shelter going, the home for yeah. battered women and abused children. That I, I true, I realized that I had the heart of the father because that's not something Dwayne would yeah. really want to you know earn a bunch of money for. Uh, that's something those church people might be interested in, but yeah. it just it happened. And so while I was focused on uh, doing the women's home, or my wife and I together we were focused on doing the women's home and then the men's home, and then our next step was the mission. Uh, well, we had our company where we were helping people, but then our mission down in Mexico. All of a sudden, one day, I realized that I actually had wealth. In the past, I had had money, but suddenly I had wealth. And it was as if while I was focused on meeting all these other folks' needs, God had just snuck up on me while I was sleeping and put money in my pocket. Yeah. And and it was such a revelation. I remember sitting down praying and weeping and going, God, I, this I don't I don't even know what. Just tell me where you want me to give it. Just just show me, God, where you want it to go, and I don't need a penny of it. You you've been so good to me. I was just and. I pray, and he spoke to me clear as day. I, the house I was in at the time, because I had lost all the houses and cars through the bad yeah. scene. And I was in a house that I was renting. I had a, a very fair rent. It was a really nice house. And this money I had saved up, I, I'll, I'll just, you know, it's no, it, it was um, 75, about $75,000. I had saved this up with this company that my wife and I had started, and I wanted to give it away. I just wanted to put it to work for the kingdom. Yeah. I was already tithing and doing all the other stuff, but I wanted to lump sum it. And as I began to pray, <laughs> God spoke to me very clearly, and he says, Dwayne, this house that you're living in, I want you to buy it. And mm-hmm. and, and, and that just came out of left field. And, and I yeah. said, oh, no, 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 God, no, I'm not praying about me. No, 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 I want to do something for you. And for, This feels so good, all that I'm yeah. going through right now. I just want to grow it. I just want to keep it flowing. And the more I prayed, the clearer the message became, Dwayne, Dwayne, <clears throat> buy the house you're living in. And I, I tried to talk him out of it. I told my wife, and she says, well, maybe you better listen to him. And so, <sighs> unable to sway him. I finally called up the guy that owned the house I was renting, and I said, hey, Brian, I've saved up some money. Will you sell me this house? And he said, uh, Dwayne, he goes, when I met you two years ago and I let you move in without the first month's rent because you were broke and on a bicycle, uh, now you're telling me you want to buy the house? And, well, I don't really do I go, no, 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 I've saved the money, Brian. I, I can pay you cash. He's like, no, you can't. And I go, yeah, God's been really good to me. I, I can't. <laughs> and so he made me a, a really great deal. I bought the house. Uh, we lived there for, I don't know, six years, I guess. And when we sold it at the height of the housing boom, uh, that little house... We made a $200,000 profit on that house. Yeah. Now, that was the hand of God. And, yeah. you know, some people might say, well, you know, it's not politically correct or socially correct for you to be, you know, speaking in dollar amounts. You're supposed to just say the Lord blessed you. You know what? <laughs> I, I believe in hard numbers because yeah. 
that's the reality of it. You know, God can meet your needs, whatever they are, above and beyond what you might expect or anticipate if you just will put it in his hands. And so I'm not clever enough to orchestrate a big real estate deal where I make a bunch of money. You know, that's just, that's not me. I do other things. I have other talents that he's gifted me with. He did that deal. He was the developer in, in that deal. All I had to do was be obedient. I had to hear it. First, I had to stop throwing my money away on foolishness. And then I had to hearken to his voice when he spoke to me and said, make this investment. And so I did. And then when it was time to get out, we got out. Uh, literally, I mean, like days from the top, we yeah. we walked away with a check. And I remember just being so humbled. And, and I'm still humbled by it all that, that God would choose me to use to fulfill his plan and his purpose. And I just want everybody I come in contact Mm -hmm. with to know what this is like. Now, the topic that you had sent me right here, it clearly says, and let me read it, have fun, make money, love people. That's exactly what I was doing. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what you're thinking as you wrote this. Well, it, I, I think we told the story last week, but um, we were doing a business conference in Warsaw, and, and this the, the Lord gave us that phrase in in the conference uh, live. You know, I just blurted it out, and uh, you know, it, it just felt so good that I wrote it down, <laughs> and we've used it ever since. <laughs> but uh, it, the fact is, this concept of operating out of your heart's desires is is a, a, an aspect of the gospel. And uh, in fact, Dwayne, uh, if you get the turn, go to slide uh, twenty-four. Skipping a whole bunch of slides, but we can skip around wherever we want to. Um, the the turn. You know, sort of all the, the background that we, we all come out of is that, you know, religion, going to church as a servant, being a good servant is, you know, just doing what you're told. And we, you know, the example you just gave is, is, is you know, out of that category. And so we're not eliminating that category. You know, we all still want to allow God to, to speak to us and tell us what to do. But, you know, when you think about on the, on the left side under kings, you know, you think about how does God speak to us? Well, we all say the Word, the Bible. Um, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is the second one. You know, mm-hmm. wise counsel, pastoral counsel, mentoring is a third category. But for the most part, the Christian community doesn't have the fourth category, which is God writing on our hearts, and uh, hmm. that that's a uh, when we were in Poland, we were telling those people, you know, we didn't know we had any unsaved people present. We just thought it was all church people that were, had, and if, when we were doing a business conference, so we were trying to get the lost saved anyway. So, right. we, uh, you know, we were just telling, you know, people that were already in business that, you know, this kingdom thing involves business, and, uh, 
you know, he wants to, to use you and, and, and make a difference through the business that, that you already have or the dream that he's put in your heart. And, uh, lo and behold, the, you know, I turned it back over to the pastor. He had a little altar call and he turned it back over to us and we were praying for people and there were four of us, um, you know, praying for different people and about 30 people out of, you know, a couple hundred had been invited, had never been really in that church before at this conference and they got saved that night and have stayed saved <laughs> and led other people to the Lord. So, you know, the traditional way we present the gospel is that, you know, all your righteousness are as filthy rags and you're a deceit, your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked and, you know, all that, we, we make people be a bum first or they can get right. saved. <laughs> right, right. And the fact is, you know, and, and for some, some of us, you know, you can get saved that way. Not, not, mm-hmm. I don't know sure. That. But the reality is that the other, the other reason to get saved is because the kingdom is a lot of fun. And, oh, by the way, God works through the desires of our hearts. That, that's one of the ways he speaks to us. You know, we, don't ex- we don't exclude the Bible or leave it out or take it out of its proper place, or nor do we diminish the voice of the Holy Spirit, nor do we ignore wise counsel. But we do say that that, that uh, you know God writing on our hearts is is uh, you know one of the one of the ways. And when you think about it, if, if you go back <clears throat> two slides going to twenty two, okay, the way we all make decisions is uh, out of our heart. <laughs> and you can say you know a Bible verse, and you know somebody, somebody, uh, and you're going to be intentional about doing something. Doesn't matter whether it's uh, you know evangelism or losing weight. You know, doesn't matter what it is. The fact is, I, I don't really care what you're telling me with your mind. I want to know what's in your heart. Right. And so do you. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and if you can get in sync with your heart, that's when love. And here's the sad reality that religion, and, and I'm including Christianity, and I'm including, including my version of charismatic Christianity too, mostly teaches people how to do the right thing. You know, I got, we all got a list of rules traditions or expectations uh, or what we think in our minds that God wants us to do and that's the stuff we try to do and uh, work on or make money or and as a consequence or even love people <laughs> you know we're just trying to be good soldiers we're trying to be obedient servants right right and you can't you can't get to the kingdom with that recipe okay you've got to get in sync with your own heart and see where your heart and God's heart overlap and start doing that. Because a, a steady diet of just <clears throat> trying to walk out some Bible verse in your head or some expectation that you think is right will eventually kill you. You know, you can you can say, I loved I love church and I love going to church and it's God's vehicle and it's a wonderful thing. Well come back and talk to me after forty years. You know, if that's all you've got. You've got to find something that's really in your heart that you enjoy. And, uh, you, that's where you'll find ministry to other people. 
<clears throat> and uh, that's you know, and, and the fact is, you can't get more biblical than that. The Bible talks a lot about heart, and uh, you know, the bottom line is that you know, it, I wouldn't say that I might be stretching it here, but sometimes I think people are in the New Age movement or uh, that you know, sometimes this positive mental attitude crowd have, are closer to the truth than than we Christians are that you know pride ourselves on being perfectly biblical. Because uh, you know we we have not taught people how to how to get in touch with their own hearts and how to become who God created them to be. We're you know my as I was a pastor for 13 years, and my modus operandi was to change people and get them on board with you know building the church because that was what God was doing, and I was trying to change them into something that they weren't a lot of times. And the fact is that. You know, when when you really find out what's in what God has put in people's heart hearts, they are already wealth creating businessmen or politicians or entertainers or educators. They're already in one of those seven mountains and they're there because they enjoy it. And we should not change that. Because, <laughs> you know, that's that's exactly how God is is building the kingdom right now. Is through people that are already functioning outside the church in the mountain that they're called to. That's to me. That's what's exciting about what's going on in the kingdom right now. How do we? How do we? How do we bridge that gap? I mean, what you just said. Uh, you know, that's toppling a sacred cow there. To say that some f folks in the New Age might be a little closer, and by the way, the New Age, there's nothing new about it. It's uh, yeah. it's been around forever. How do we bridge that gap? How do we how do we open people's minds to that concept right there? You know, uh, Dwayne, for me, um, I don't know if you have the file open. Do you have that newsletter open? There were. Uh, yes, I do. In fact, I can. We have a slide on it as well. Let me just give you the slide. And, um, it's slide number ten. Slide number ten of the slide set I'm on already. Yep. yep. Okay. I do have that newsletter link right here, though, too. I can bring that up if you want. So, uh, Harold Everly sent me a book uh, called "Who Is God" and about. 2001 or two, and he was writing it and just asked for some comments on it. And uh, uh, it, you know that tipped me tipped over some of my theology. <laughs> and when I when I got into this whole kingdom thing, maybe just for starters, go to that uh, go to slide number eight. Number eight, okay. Yeah. Number eight. Here we go. Start with the concept of the kingdom. Yeah. You know, what is the kingdom of God? When, as a, all through my, uh, I got saved as a senior in high school. Uh, started going to church when I got out of college and went to the same church for 16 years, then planted two churches in the following 13 years, and, and then sort of began to understand the kingdom. And I never distinguished between church and kingdom. So my concept was that the church was 
you know, persecuted and would eventually be raptured. And I, in fact, in college, I, I didn't expect to get out of college. I thought the rapture was coming right away. So then when, when the rapture didn't come, I went to work, you know, building the church because I thought that was, you know, the, uh, the most important thing. And my view of the world was that it was the territory of Satan and it was going to get worse and worse and worse until God, you know, destroyed it. And uh, the church would be raptured just prior to the second return and then the church would, you know, reign for a thousand years in the millennium. And that was, you know, that was my theology. And I didn't, I didn't understand that, uh, you know, the church is for the equipping of the saints to, to go out into the kingdom and, and establish, you know, uh, his presence and his rule and his person in those other seven mountains. And, and that the, you know, the goal of church is that we become kings, you know, so that we go start uh, trading companies or whatever. You know, and and have an influence in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the the kingdom isn't something that's coming, you know, for a thousand year period in the future. The kingdom has has been here since, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit came after you know, after Jesus. The kingdom, you know, Jesus went around and told people that by he will sit and cast out demons. That that's the evidence that the kingdom of God has come upon you. And it's been here. It's been growing like a grain of mustard seed for two thousand years, and and actually, it's fairly influential right now. You know, we're, we still got a big battle, but uh, the fact is, we're we are not a persecuted, ineffective remnant that's waiting to be raptured. We are kings that are going to fill the earth with His glory. Now, that, you know, there's going to be wheat and tares present until the end. So not everybody's going to, you know, say yes to the Lord. But the fact is, we're, we're, you know, when you even think about the Great Commission, you know, if you just think about, you know, just try to cite it from memory. I, you know, I always remembered it as going to the world and preach the gospel, which is, you know, what we've done. Uh, but it doesn't say that. It says, make disciples of nations. That, that's our commission. We're, we're here to change the world an entire nation at a time. And, you know, that's our literal commission. That, that's why we're here. So when you, when you go down, go down one more slide, and I, I really appreciate, uh, Lance Walnuts on slide nine. <clears throat> For, he's done, he does a, you know, I think the best job of articulating this seven mountain concept. And it's a model. Okay, now who? T- tell me again. Who? Are, who is this? Lance Wallnow is a, a guy okay. that teaches marketplace ministry a lot. And, uh, okay. He's not the originator of this seven mountain concept, but he's the guy that's that's most probably its most articulate spokesman. But anyway, it's just the concept that when you figure out where your role is in the kingdom, it will sort of fit in a basic category. Uh, and and church is one of those. So it's just fine to have good churches with great pastors, but the the purpose of church is to launch people into the thing that God's called them to do. And it's not planting more churches, it's making disciples of nations. And, And what has just happened in the last, I would say, decade, is that we've come into this understanding of kingdom where it's 
it's good for people to, to uh, put their focus and energy into raising a good family, mm -hmm. to, to become educators or to be teachers. That, that is a ministry. Uh, and same with business or the arts and entertainment or, or the media or to be involved in government. Those all have examples from scripture where, uh, you know, Joseph is an example of somebody who got involved in government and made a huge difference. And uh, same with business. I mean, most of the disciples were businessmen. Um, but for us to uh, try to take people, you know, when you, when you think of the church as the only expression that God has in the earth, what that does is cause people to come out of their mountain and, and try to find their enjoyment in life or their calling in life in the church. And although some people are called to pastor churches, some people right. are called to be prophetic right. and apostolic and all that stuff, we're, we're evangelistic. We're not, we're not subtracting from that at all. We're just saying that 98% of us are not called to be pastors of churches. We're not called to be preachers. We're called to to take the equipping that we got in church and let it have its expression in the marketplace. And I, I just think uh, you and Michael are great examples of people that you know obviously have a huge skill in the area of trading, and you're leveraging that to, to teach other people how to create wealth. And, and oh, by the way, you both have your own uh, you know interest in, in ministry as well, but. What you're doing for other people like me is a ministry. You know, you, you're going to get credits for that when you get to heaven. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and, uh, it's it's important, I, and I think it's key. You know, I I think learning to create wealth is on the very front burner of what God's doing in the earth today. So that that's what I think is important about what's going on in the kingdom right now. So when, you, so when I kind of got this concept, you know, then I I scrolled backwards and I thought about, you know, what what was holding me back from uh, how, how come yeah you know, how come I waited for you know four years of going to college after I got saved, sixteen years of going to church, and then thirteen years of planting two churches, then I went through this period where you know every few months it felt like the uh, you know those global warming videos of where uh, a, a, a glacier in Alaska you know cr a piece of it cracks off and falls into the bay. That, that's what my theology felt like for a few years. <laughs> Every time I turned around, something that I thought was really important to my theology cracked off and fell into the bay, <laughs> and I had to kind of rethink it. <laughs> and so this whole idea. That the church was God's only vehicle. And I could go to slide ten. Ten, okay. You know, we're kind of back to those four areas, and this is why I wrote releasing kings, is because I think sound doctrine is important, okay, and I think it's important for, you know, if we're going to say the kingdom of God is, you know, what we're doing, or that's our focus, or, you know, that's what God's up to right now. We need to have a, you know. A good doctrinal basis for it, and uh, you know the first step for me was realizing that the church and the kingdom are not the same thing. You know, the church is the place where we equip the saints for the work of the ministry, but that ministry occurs out in the marketplace. You know, it's like 
what we what happens in church in terms of ministry is like frosting or it's for training you know it's like practice it's like the demonstration of the real thing so that you can take what you learn in church and go out into your business and make it happen there you know there's some there's some churches I've been to um where as you're pulling out of the parking lot, there's a little sign uh, on the wall or the fence, and you can only see that you can only see what's written on this little sign as you're leaving the parking lot, heading out into the street, and the little sign just simply says, "You are now entering the mission field." Yeah. Yep. Is that exactly what you're talking about? Yep. And I mean, the other the other thing is just that you know what. You know, we're not servants anymore. We're sons and kings, and we're <coughs> excuse me, sharing the uh, the ministry of the Father. It's fun. There's an anointing on it. It doesn't mean it's not, you know, it's all you know roses. But uh, you know, when you realize that you and the Father are on the same page, and, and you're uh, you know your trading business has a role in the kingdom, suddenly that becomes okay. You know, it becomes a the, the esteem we have in what we're doing and who we are raises right up there. And we don't think of ourselves as, you know, well, I'm just kind of a dirty old businessman. And, you know, <laughs> those pastors, they're the ones that are really important in the kingdom. It's not well, true. You know, I, I'm, I may have touched on this uh, in our last conversation, <clears throat> but as I surrendered my life, back to God at 37 and began to serve him and to do what I felt he had called me to do. Um, life was good and business was good and we were, <clears throat> the employees every day would, uh, number one, there was no foul language, none of that kind of talking about, you know, what your conquest was last night. It was a yeah. wholesome family type environment on the job. And that was really important for so many of my employees because they were coming, they were in recovery, you know, they were just coming out of prison and they had and when you take a guy in recovery and you put him out on a job site where on break everybody's going to their car to do a line or hit the pipe or whatever it is they're doing, it's very hard for that man to stay focused and stay <clears throat> on the right path and so we not only had that clean working environment but we would pause every day after lunch for 30 minutes and when everybody got clocked back in you know they went to lunch then they clocked back in and we gathered in this big room uh, we got up to 50 of us at one time and we would have what we called God's time for lack of a better term because it was not our time it was his time now we didn't answer the phones. We we had my secretary or my customer service rep had the phones roll over to the voicemail. But the wheels of industry literally ground to a halt. And I I know looking back, you know, hindsight perfect, but I know I was walking in the anointing that God had on my life just I, I've got some rhythm, but I'm not a great dancer, okay? But, but man, we were two-stepping like crazy, and, uh, and it was it – was, but I had to fix it. Uh, well, God, since you've given me this business, this company, and you have, uh, you know, blessed me, 
then I guess what you really want me to do is to become a preacher. Yeah. <laughs> and God never said anything about that. <clears throat> uh, in fact, I kind of, I didn't feel the very, you know, he wasn't verifying the deal, so to speak, in my spirit. But I kept pressing on because it seemed like the next logical progression. And that's okay? exactly how I became a pastor. Is I just thought that was the theologically correct thing to do. So I mm -hmm. just went and did it. If somebody would have just said, hey, you're, you're doing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're running a business and you're successful. Yeah. You, you yeah. could support 10 itinerant pastors. Uh, why not just keep doing what you're doing? But yeah. no, I did it. And, um, <laughs> and God is so faithful, even, you know, maybe when we're not so faithful, but because I was determined to, because <laughs> yeah. I was determined to be a preacher. And so, uh, well, my, my, that's... my pastor, or my pastor, or he says, he sat in council with me and he goes, Dwayne, you know, you meet all the criteria from the book. You're faithful to one woman and you, you know, you yeah. tell the different things. He says, you sure this is what God's calling you to do? And I'm like, oh yeah, pastor, I'm, you know, this, <laughs> it's gotta be. So he said, well, Dwayne, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ordain you and you'll, you know, be able to function in this. But if, if it turns out that maybe, you know, you missed God on this. It's okay, and you don't have to have to worry about it. But I was wanted to show you something on the screen here in just a second. Now, let me let me just give it a minute to load up. I've been having some issues today. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I have a church now, a historic church in downtown Phoenix. It's a beautiful historic church, and I I, I don't preach there on Sunday mornings. Yeah. I quickly realized that uh, I was not called to be the Sunday morning preacher. Yeah. But God, all-seeing, all-knowing, he allowed me to go that route because now there's a church uh, downtown Phoenix where there's a congregation, a, a, a wonderful congregation, a wonderful brother in Christ, Pastor Daniel. Uh, they have this awesome place to have service every Sunday that they would not have been able to, you know, they would yeah. not have had access to otherwise. <clears throat> yeah. So despite my knuckle-headedness, God was able to work through me and around that and still bring something good out of it. But yeah. ultimately, I realized that, uh, well, I thought my page had loaded up here. All it is is just a picture. You wouldn't think that would be so, hmm. Oh, I guess I got to click my name or something. Yeah, see, there's the sanctuary. Yeah, you see that? Yep. <laughs> now, some men say they, well, you know, I need to, I need to be close to God. Let me go into my prayer closet. I get in my car and I drive downtown and put some praise and worship music on, and I've got this hundred-year-old sanctuary <laughs> to sit and pray in. And guys, there's going to be an additional. Uh, meeting, seminar, I'm not sure what the proper thing is to call it, but this has to pre be preserved for the future, and I've got some plans and some ideas. Uh, I want to retire the mortgage on this place so that it never falls into the wrong hands. It's in prime area for development and whatnot, so mm -hmm. I know God put it in my hand for a reason. I thought he was calling me to be a preacher. 
turns out, you know, I mean, I've preached in Mexico and I've preached in Africa. It's not that I can't preach, but I don't wake up Sunday mornings with fire in my belly to go down and stand in front of the congregation. Now, thank God that I recognized that early on, that I didn't abandon every tie I had to the business world. I didn't turn my back on everything and, you know, just say, well, come heck or high water, because uh, I would be standing there preaching to my wife every Sunday yeah. morning. Yeah. Because while I do have fire in my belly and while I can speak in front of a group of people, I can be called in to be a guest speaker or a guest pastor and preach a sermon. I can do weddings. I can do funerals and do them, yeah. you know, as good, I guess, as, as some. Uh, but it's not the call that's on my life. But I am in a position now, and the way I'm going to secure this place up is so that because there are so many uh, preachers out there who do have that fire in their belly, who yeah. do want to preach every Sunday morning, and they don't have a place to do it. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're renting little storefronts or, or back rooms and little hotels where, you know, like all the money that their congregation is able to put together yeah. to maybe someday have a church, it all gets eaten up in rent. And so I'm in such a unique position to help not just one church or one ministry, but a bunch of them. I mean, yeah. five, six churches could come have. I only have one congregation in there now, but we could meet the needs of Lord knows how many on a sure. Sunday, plus on a Saturday, yeah. plus on a Friday night, you know. Yeah. And, and, and so I'm excited that God, he can take... Whatever, if we'll remain open, open-minded, and 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 remain, you know, let our spirit remain open, uh, he can just do wonders. And I just want to encourage businessmen out there: if you have the gift of creating wealth, and and wealth is not a dirty word, because ministry costs money. Use that gift that God has given you. And you, you can take it a step farther, Dwayne. Uh, we, we should support pastors and, and churches. That, that's part of our calling for sure. But there's another dimension of just, you know, what's the dream that's in your heart? The, the resources that God gives us uh, are, are often for that purpose. And, and, and think about it the other way. If you really have a big purpose in terms of a dream, that is the leverage you need to create wealth. I mean, you've got to have a good reason for, you know, your heart. You know, if you start trading with no reason for the money, your, you know, your heart is going to usually, you, you know, you can't survive too many years of church without feeling like, you know, you don't really deserve this level of wealth. <laughs> uh, you know, that's something that, you know, what's the trading book uh, by Mark Douglas? Uh, trading trading in the zone. Yep. Yeah. See, that's the topic of that book. I don't, I don't think it's a Christian book. I think it's a secular book as far as I know. I right. For yeah. Two years. Yeah. But he's, he's pointing to the fact that in order to be a good trader, you need in your heart to have a good reason. And the fact is that, you know, God's already put it there. And, and it's something that we all are already motivated to do and enjoy doing. That's why, you know, when you just think about it, it's 
it feels like having fun and making money and loving people because it's exactly what we're wired to do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we don't have to lay it down or put it at the foot of the cross or, you know, surrender all or anything, you know. Uh, you know, I, like the back of the you, boat analogy. I, I had a boat long enough to realize that, you know, I didn't. Most tired of having a boat, and you know what? I was a pastor long enough to get tired of that too. <laughs> so I, I've had a boat, and I've been a pastor, and I'm saying, okay, that wasn't it. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you think? Let me let me ask you now. Do you think that er, that can everyone? I've I've experienced that I had it when I had when I had the 50 employees and. And, and people would ask me about my job, and, uh, and and I just it was hard to even call it a job because it it was it it was just my life. It was yeah. it was what I did, helping these people and these broken yeah. lives, and and the fact that we were profitable and used their money to build orphanages and take care of battered women and abused children. I was like, I kept pinching myself. I was black yeah. and blue half the time because I yeah. couldn't believe this could really be happening to me you know do you honestly believe with all of your heart that every man and woman is entitled to that that's part of their inheritance as a king oh yeah i mean it's uh listen to psalm 20 verse 4 says may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed we will shout for joy when you are victorious and we will lift up our banners in the name of our Lord, may the Lord grant all your requests. And that, you know, that that's my attitude toward every other person. So I can take, well, I, I know the wing now. And, uh, you know, my prayer for you is that your dream will come true, that God will give you the desire of your heart and make all of your plans succeed. And, and when you do succeed and are victorious, uh, all the rest of us are going to shout for joy and lift up our banners in the name of our God and celebrate with you. <laughs> Amen. So I'm, I've totally stopped trying to change other people into what I think they should be doing. I, mm. I have one question, and that is, to, you know, if people have a, a desire in their heart, I want to know what it is. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, I want to help them get in touch with their hearts so they do. How do you do that? How do you help them get in touch with that, John? Um, it's first you got to kind of, you know, let go of uh, you know all the religious baggage. And, okay. You know, for example, you know, you and I both went down this path of thinking we were doing God's best by becoming pastors. Right. Okay. And and that was a logical consequence of the theology that we had. Okay. The church is the only thing, not the kingdom. And the, when you look at a church, the pastor is always the most important person or the most spiritual or the most anointed, the most called. So if you're going right. to sign up and give your life to Christ and say, okay, my life is yours, what do you want me to do? Well, if that's your theology, the only answer that can come back is I'm going to be a pastor. That's right. what God wants me to do. That's the only answer that can come back. And so... You know, we got to go through this process of, um, you know, developing a, a better theology, a, a sounder doctrine that allows us to become who we really are and, and value it and, and admit that being a businessman and creating wealth is, 
you know, a, a lot of circumstances in the marketplace, that's more important than being a pastor. And, and I think even God has that view. Now, we don't want to drift off into the heresy of, you know, minimizing other mountains. Okay, they're all important. I'm just saying um, the church is not the most important mountain. The church is the place where we equip the people, the saints, to get into their mountain. The most important mountain uh, we need in America right now is leadership and politics. Yeah, that's very high, I believe, right now. Yeah, <laughs> I think Poli- we need and, and, godly. I yeah. think we need godly leaders in the, in government. That's really important, and I think we need godly businessmen in our in the area of commerce mm-hmm. uh, that that can uh, you know use the power of the economy of the United States to build the kingdom. I think that's really important. I, 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 I agree. Um, and, and one that really has been impressed on me of late, and I talked about it on the radio show, um, on the regular show today, and that is the, the field of entertainment. Yeah. Because America's youth and, and half, half the adults uh, truly idolize uh, yeah. so many of these pop culture icons if uh, young teenage girls see Lady Gaga or Katy Perry do something or dress a certain way or behave in a certain manner, uh, they are going to do their very best to emulate that, uh, whether they have to hide it from their parents or not. And, and what really disturbs me is that in many cases, they don't have to hide it from their yeah. parents. Yeah. Now, my wife and I, we were just shocked out of our socks back at the end of the school year. They had like a little graduation ceremony. My son was graduating uh, fifth grade. My daughter was graduating kindergarten. And the they had a, like a show where my son's in the band. He plays a saxophone yeah. and, and Emily sang. But then, you know, this school only goes up to the eighth grade. And then they go off to another school after that. But yeah. the senior class there, the eighth graders, they had a glee club. I don't know if you've ever seen the television program Glee. No. Nope. Have you ever? Okay. Uh, it's pretty horrific, brother. <laughs> I'm just going to come right out and say it now. Are the kids in there insanely talented? Yes. Are the storylines... Uh, compelling, yeah. yes. Am I admitting before God and everybody? Well, you can't hide it from God, but I am. Am I admitting in front of everybody that I've actually watched a few of these episodes? Yeah. You know, I did. I did because I yeah. felt that I needed to uh, know what was going on because I know so many kids. I know some pastors, pastors' kids that their parents allow them to watch this show, and I don't want to sit in the judgment seat. That's not. Yeah. But, but I have to, for my own kids, and so at, at this graduation ceremony, this 8th grade glee club, they sang a song called, I Want to Be a Billionaire. Yeah. And I don't, you're probably not familiar with that song. But Maybe it has... A church chorus. I'm telling, <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it had some of the most filthy... Horrific really? language. Now, the eighth graders, they didn't let them say the F word. They, yeah. they changed it to something. And, and all of the words that were profane, they, they changed them to something cutesy. Yeah. 
But yeah. it was here was the central theme: sleep yeah. around, have a good time with whoever will lay with you, uh, get high, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, get 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 ripped out of your gourd, uh, and make a lot of money so you can you know own the world. Yeah. And my wife and I just came unglued, and we wrote to the teachers, and we wrote to the principals, and we wrote to the board of education, and we so as of yet, we have yet to even get so much as a response. Yeah. Well, D does this does this surprise you at all? <laughs> no, but there you know there's uh, and I I'm not defending you know the. Uh, the carnality in some of those kinds of things. Okay. Good music, good, uh, good painting. It, and that is, it simply touches our heart. A, a good movie uh, almost always has, you know, you know, that really touches us. That you, you watch movies where, you know, you project yourself into the role of the hero or the heroine. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you've, you've had that experience, and and all of us have been in movies where we kind of came to tears, you know. And the fact is that that mo good movies, um, good art the same way, good music the same way, you know? but a good movie has a has a plot, and the plot is that we start from humble beginnings, you know. The the hero or the heroine is just like you and I, okay. And then there's some huge trauma. You know, right versus wrong. John, I seem to have lost you for uh, a moment here. here there, there's okay. Uh, you're back now. Okay, and somewhere along the line, there's uh, there's usually romance involved, mm -hmm. and then you know the the good guys win, or you know the the, uh, right. the right right side comes out on top. I mean, that's the that's the theme. And what I want to suggest is that that theme, you know, sort of those four stages: humble beginnings, you know, huge warfare, uh, romance, and victor victory in the end. And, and it, there's usually prosperity for our hero or heroine as well. I want to suggest that the reason that touches our hearts. And we identify with it so much is that good art is a is a vehicle for the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts. And uh, you know, as Christians, we're so busy, you know, finding all the faults that we sort of miss the fact of whether it touches our hearts or not. And if it does touch our hearts, you know, the most relevant question is why. You know, what was what was the theme of it? And and then the next question is, you know. Did, does God any place in that theme? So, you know, let's go back to music. Let me give you an example there. Okay. You know, Carrie Underwood is a country singer. Right. Are you familiar with her? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am. She she just has, a, I believe, an exemplary lifestyle, and she's a Christian. She doesn't preach or wear it on her sleeve, but you don't have to listen to her music or listen to her very long. But, you, know, you know where she's standing. And, and she rubs shoulders with lots of people who, you know, aren't perfect uh, and doesn't compromise. So she's a great example. So let's let me, let me give you one more example of someone who's not quite 
So, and, and let me say this about Carrie's music: it does touch people's hearts. Okay, that's why the music sells, is it connects with people's hearts. And, and if you go right. through the lyrics in her music, and this is true of many other artists as well, there there is a theme of the Holy Spirit in that music. And uh, you know, not a hundred percent, okay, right. not all perfect, right. but in general. That's the thing that causes us to sit up and take notice and engage in a movie or a song, or whatever. Now, if we're really religious and not in touch with our hearts, you know, nothing like that will ever move us because we're so busy finding fault with it. <laughs> you know, the only thing that passes the ho ho test is the hymn number three thirty four in the book. You know, in the pew church. Oh. And uh, the fact is that doesn't move anybody else. And, uh, no, let me give you I, one more I, example. Okay. All right. Yeah. Lady Gaga. Mm -hmm. I uh, I heard a, a song on the radio once that, uh, and I, I missed a lot of the lyrics, but it, it was it so it caused my heart to engage, mm -hmm. and so I did a little homework and found out who sang sang it, and it was Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at the lyrics, and the lyrics weren't too perfect. And I got the album, and I found that uh, out of the ten or twelve songs that that were moving, and uh, you know others that weren't so good, the, the lyrics weren't real good on weren't perfect on any of them. But uh, you know, I so I started to do a little homework. You know, why why is this moving me? And instead of just saying, because you're carnal, stupid, you know, I, I just said, you know, let's, let's just take a look at it. And what I found out was uh, Lady Gaga, I can't quote her original name right now, Stephanie, uh, it's a, she's a Greek. Yeah, yeah, she's from Greek New Jersey here. or someplace, yeah. I think. Uh, she, yeah. was, she was raised in a Catholic uh, community. Okay. With, uh, her parents took her to... Catholic Church, and she went to Catholic school through grade school at least, and uh, was a great musician. Played the piano, and her mother would take her down to uh, the kind of the she could play because that was one of the few places that they there were opportunities for a, you know a young teenager to play publicly, and uh, she you know the. So she started a band and sort of that bar scene in, in New York. Many of those bars were gay bars, and so that was her first uh, constituency of people that liked her music. So she, you know, obviously kind of somewhat fell away from church. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's sort of how she got her start. Now, I, I think that, you know, God has still got something on her heart that she's expressing that I resonated with. Now it's got lots of compromise in it, I'm not defending the gay movement at all or anything like that. I'm just saying she touches hearts. That's why she's, I think she, for a while she had the number one yeah. uh, YouTube video of all time. I think it's something else now. But, uh, she's, she's very popular in that sense. And I think when all is said and done, she probably will get saved and uh, you know, unless some you know self-righteous Christian you know throws too many eggs at her, 
I think she will eventually get saved, and she'll use that platform in a great way. Uh, but my only point is, you know, she's a musician that knows how to touch hearts. And uh, and so I, I think, you know, if you say, well, what, what would her ministry be? Well, guess what? It would be the gay community. And you think someone... If, if God got someone saved that could reach the gay community, who would be in a better position than her? So, you know, my prayer for her isn't that, you know, God will you know, snuff her out or burn her. <laughs> yeah, not wife wrong. Yeah, no, I got you. My prayer is that God will, you know, take that gun and point it in the perfect direction, and uh, hmm. and that she'll get saved and, and reach that gay community with the uh, the message of the gospel. You know that's a that's a that's an interesting. Uh, I, I like I like the way you have me thinking about this here. Um, I, I I can't say I've never thought that way, but you're, you're there's some meat, you know, behind what you have yeah. to say. And now I, now here's something that I've noticed in myself and that I've struggled with a little bit or questioned. Uh, I know that when I go to church, that during the praise and worship. Uh, portion uh, I can I can get incredibly touched I can I can become incredibly emotional doesn't always happen uh, but often it it does yeah. and when I first well number one when I at 37 when I started to serve God again um, and I found out that the devil didn't have all the good music anymore, that there actually was a flip side to the old rugged cross, which is still a great song. Uh, but there was, I, f I found this radio station called K-Love, and that played a, a major role in, in, in Dwayne launching CFRN because I get to play all I got to play all the hits all the time, uh, the ones that I liked, the, the Christian music. And uh, that was such an eye-opening thing for me that there was this great music that I just loved. And I, there were times I would be listening to Caleb. I would literally pull over to the side of the road, have a Holy Ghost experience, weep, cry, you know, and, and, and I loved that. And I, and I still love it. You know when it happens, but then something happened that kind of disturbed me. I was watch, I was at a movie theater or something, and I don't remember the movie and I don't remember the plot or what was going on, but I was suddenly overcome by a very similar feeling, and maybe not as 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 an as intense emotional level, but. It bothered me because I started to question if what I had been feeling in church all along was perhaps not Holy Ghost and, in fact, just Dwayne and his emotions. Um, and, and that might be something that I can... Uh, feel comfortable enough to say in front of the entire world that'll be uh, listening to this podcast. You know, just between me, you, and a few million people, yeah. um, maybe maybe I still have concerns over that. What, what what are your thoughts? I think you have to give yourself permission for your heart to express itself hmm. first, 
and then examine it second. And what we do is the minute anything from our heart starts to bubble up, we immediately say, that's probably carnal and we better shut it off. And that that keeps us out of our dream because the fact is, even if there's something wrong bubbling up in our hearts, it's better to let it bubble up and deal with it because it's there for a very good reason. Our, our hearts think logically and if something went wrong in our past and we've got something that's not pure in our hearts, that thing needs to bubble up so that we understand why it's there and, and that's that's the only way it can get changed because like the boat, like being a pastor, whatever's there that's, that's wrong, God has something there that's even better. And our, and our hearts, you know, we think of our hearts as sort of a subconscious soup that nobody understands. You know, it's just the uh, stuff of, you know, all those dreams that are so embarrassing you would never tell anybody about. You know, that's sort of the stuff that we think that's in our hearts. Yeah. And the reality is that God wrote some good things in our hearts. Now, the fact that there... You know, we might have to trade a few things. And we that's one thing we've found out was, you know, helping people make this transition to get in touch with their hearts and find out what God really wrote there is we have to help them understand uh, why their hearts might be wanting the wrong thing and, and help them trade the wrong thing for the right thing. And to do that, you have to understand, you know, the logic for... For why, for example, bitterness might might be there. Well, you can say, well, I'm never going to forgive so-and-so because he did this to me, or she did this to me. And uh, so when you think about the consequences of unforgiveness, I mean, it's so severe that, uh, you know, some Bible verses make it sound like it could keep you out of heaven, uh, let alone cost you your dream, you know. So what yeah. we do is say, you know, Dwayne or whoever, you know, what's your dream? What's the thing that you would really like to have happen in your life while you're here? What's the most precious, the most fun, the most rewarding, the most satisfying thing that is in your heart? And then the next, the next question is, you know, is there anything holding you back? And and if there is, you know, we just take take a hard look at it and see if there isn't. uh, Something that we can trade for that obstacle, you know, it might be bitterness or unforgiveness or, you know, whatever it is. Look at what it is and why it's there. And then give your heart a good reason to let it go and trade for something better. And when you think about, you know, what we had a big emphasis while I was a pastor on inner healing. And the problem was... Uh, well, totally a problem. It was a good ministry, but basically the concept of inner healing is, you know, you find some root of bitterness or some area of unforgiveness, and, and you just tell people, you know, when you find it, you know what, that's a sin. The Bible says so. Here's the verse. Now repent and let it go. And you know what? Sometimes people can, but quite often they say they want to, but they can't. And the reason is their hearts don't have a, a reason to let go. And, you know, intellectually knowing a Bible verse isn't a good enough reason for your heart to let something go. <laughs> That's the problem with, you know, this sort of head version of Christianity. 
and doesn't mean we shouldn't repent from it. Doesn't mean we shouldn't let it go on. I'm talking about how practically can we let it go. And the fact is that for every boat in our life, let's go back to that analogy. <laughs> God has something that, that the reason I can let go of a boat is because God has something sweeter and better and more fun than a boat. And it's that simple. And all I got to do is show that to my heart, and my heart will say, "Okay, we'll let go of the the old, and we'll embrace the new because it, it is better." And uh, it's it's you know that's it. It takes the help of the Holy Spirit to sort of uncover those things and make that transition, but it, it really is pretty easy. It's not rocket science. Now. Since we're using uh, boat analogies, uh, I like what you've what you've written in your uh, newsletter. Uh, wisdom: the church is a big ship that will take years to turn. I've seen some dramatic changes over my lifetime. I think it would be wise not to sink that ship in our zeal for the kingdom, as we find better methods to equip the saints and change the world. We're not abandoning the church or her role in making disciples. Yeah. We're just finding better and faster ways to release kings into their own hearts' desires. Right. So, you know, what I've run into, and, you know, this is something I've had to uh, deal with, is, uh, you know, I got the picture of the kingdom, how much fun it is to... Uh, <clears throat> You know, help people connect with their the real thing that God put in their heart, and find their mountain, and you know, get involved in that. And so my first thought was, I'll write a book, we'll have a class, and I'll just take it to to all the pastors I know. And when I was a, a pastor, I had about 40, 40 buddies that were also pastors in my city, and I prayed with them. We met monthly and did you know summer retreats together. So I you know I knew them fairly well. So after we wrote the book, I met with the three that I thought would be, you know, excellent candidates, had fairly large churches to, uh, you know, sort of get this message into their discipleship process. And all three of them said, John, this is a great book. It's a great idea. But, uh, you know, we're, we're focused on what we're doing and no thanks. So I thought, well, we'll find some church someplace. You know, I haven't. Pastors in general are not, uh, I think they, it's, it's changing fairly rapidly, actually. But by and large, the majority of pastors still are not re- particularly receptive to kingdom. So then, no, no, no. There's the, there's the, uh, the, the my sheep mentality yeah, is yeah. still alive and well in the church. Sure it is. And, uh, you know, the church... You know, in the most negative sense, sort of becomes a perpetual motion machine that's that is uh, primarily interested in the things that sustain its own existence, and, and that becomes very introverted in, in, in the negative sense. Now that's changing, and if pastors never change, it's still okay because we still need pastors to, you know, disciple people and do marriage counseling. And, Right. the funerals and have the fellowship and get people saved and change all those diapers. People are not ready for this kingdom message until they reach some level of maturity in their Christian walk. And you know what? I do not want to do that. 
<laughs> I appreciate pastors that do want to do that, and I'm willing to support them with my encouragement and my money. Yes, yes, <laughs> And they don't have absolutely. to change for me to do that. <laughs> and I praise God for them in all sincerity, but mm -hmm. I don't want to be one of them. <laughs> no, it's, that's a hard job. The thing you said, you know, evangelists, evangelists they blow into town and make yeah. babies, but it's the yeah. pastor that sticks around and changes the diapers. That's You're so right. right. You know? That's right. I, I got a letter or an email from a fellow, and I, I want to share this uh, with you here as we, because we're, we're an hour and a half into this, so we'll need to wind down uh, for today's episode, but I want to share this with you and see what it speaks to you and and. Well, let me just share it. Uh, it says, hello. Now, keep in mind, English is uh, not uh, this fellow's uh, first language. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to just kind of read it as it's written because I think if I start trying to clean up the English, it's going to lose some of the purity and, and the flavor that I got from it. Uh, yeah. Hello, Mr. Duane. I asked you many questions the last month about your business. I appreciate... Leslie's email and your interest to remind me and invite me to your seminars even after the trial expired. Finally, I could finish my project and I am writing this email to you like I told you I would in one of your seminars. Please excuse me if my English is not accurate. Uh, Maria and I and he says his name, uh, especially myself, are praying for sick people in the streets. Sometimes they get healed, sometimes not, and take advantage to share the gospel with them. Since January 2013, one family accepted Jesus Christ and are walking with him and us in a natural discipleship. For many years, I have been praying to find a job to invest few hours working at part-time job and another few hours in the kingdom of God. My desire is to invest more in the kingdom. After seven years, I found you and I was praying and decided to write you and offer you a deal and maybe would be fine with you if you are agree with this because the situation in Spain is difficult. We are continue experimenting a depression, experiencing a depression. Yeah. Although the Lord has been faithful with us, just one of us, my spouse, is gaining a salary and in my case having tons of interviews but the doors continuing closed. So would like offer you to get your training. Paying you off, you should ha wait to have it, but this is our desire to start it and meanwhile, I would pay you the rest of the price of your offer when I have the income. Now, he's offering to make a considerable uh, 
down payment on his education given mm -hmm. the economic circumstances there. And he goes on to say, my goal would be pay off your services during the next four months. I cannot promise you I will achieve it, but I think I can do it and I can make it. Having been working with Wickoff methodology in the past and have a little of experience, I could grew up an account from $180 to $2,200 and finally I got hanged out in my last trade losing everything, stop loss issue. You perfectly know, I think, what I'm trying to express. I'm really interested in your training and during the trial found out the brackets could help me have saved my account. Dwayne, what do you think? Please, I plead with you to wait a few days before you answer me. <laughs> or you can call me whenever you can if you prefer on Skype. Below you have the website to check what we are doing, my spouse and I, in Madrid and over Spain. This is my fam this is the family we prayed for in an unemployment office, the couple on the right and their son. She got healed partially in her legs, so they have been so interested they invited us to their home to pray more. The vision is to encourage people to go outside the four walls of the church. The first task of the average Christian church is to edify the church and be self-centered and we would like to reach so many people as possible outside in the streets. Heal the sick, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, and later on, talk about him. Our testimony in English, uh, I guess he gave me another link. Best wishes for you and your wife. We certainly like the pictures you showed in Machu Picchu. Let me back. Let me. Uh, we certainly like the pictures of your trip in Machu Picchu and hope we can make business now or in the future. Thank you, uh, Marcos and uh, Maria. And then he sent me this link uh, of their ministry, Praying in the Supermarket. I was with a friend in the supermarket when I over overheard a conversation between the sales assistant and a customer while I was waiting for the goods to be weighed. The customer is telling her that she is undergoing a chemotherapy treatment. Something in my heart impels me to pray for her then and there, but finally I headed directly to the checkout with my friend. When we left the supermarket and I told my friend to wait for me while I went back to pray for someone, when I got to where Susanna, not real name, was I explained to her that I had overheard the conversation and immediately she explained to me the details and how the cancer is going through her body to affect additional organs. I asked her, Susanna, may I pray for you and ask God to heal you? Sometimes I pray for people and people get healed, not because of me, but because of what Jesus can do when we pray. 
yes, please. May I hold your hand? Don't worry. I'm a married man. <laughs> I'm also married, she responded, smiling. I prayed for her, asking Jesus to heal her, and tears started pouring out of her eyes. And then I asked her, if you were to die tomorrow, and it could happen to any of us, where do you think you would go? To heaven. So I continued to explain to her that there is no one righteous in front of God and we will all be held accountable for our sins in the final judgment. However, Jesus will present himself as our lawyer, paying the price on our behalf. We need to repent from our sins and have faith in Jesus to be declared free in that judgment. I am looking for Jesus every day, she said. That's very good. I said goodbye to her and told her, I think you will encounter victory in all of this. I hope so. I have a family and a young son. Susanna, I will be praying for you. I count on it, she said. When I came out of the supermarket, my friend could see the grief on my face. God had touched me with his compassion for her. That is the heart of the Father. Thank you, Jesus, for having provided a unique opportunity to bless another being. My hope is to have the opportunity to see a full healing and this lady's relationship with God taking a new meaning. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so touched by this. And I'm just so happy to say that uh, this young man will begin his training uh, next Ooh. week. But that here is someone outside the four walls of the church. He's not, you know, being sent out by any group or right. organization. Him and his wife, they just love Jesus so much yeah. and they just want to go. They want to do what Jesus would do. Go into the marketplace and, 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 and those who are hurting and sick and lost yeah. and they want to pray for them and let them know they're not alone. And this yeah. this this is the church. Yeah. That's the church. That's, that's no, there's no stained glass required. Not there. So, so what, do you, what, what do you want to do, Dwayne? What do I want to do? Uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure what you mean, John. What are you going to help him or? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He's gonna, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't not help him. I said, I sent, I sent my partner Michael an email. I said, hey man, you. I said, you want to, you want to change the world? And he, he emailed me back and he said, yes. And that's all, just just yes. And and I said, and I showed it to my wife, and we prayed. And I just, I sat in my office, and and I just looked at the, his family, and 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 I just, man, I just, I wept, you know, because that God allows me to, all my knuckleheadedness, <laughs> and I don't mean to put myself down and be self-deprecating and all of that. Uh, but I mean, I know who I am, and I know who I who I am without him and the yeah. fact that he is going to use me in a small way to help this fellow who is going to be in the streets yeah. of Madrid doing real ministry yeah. you know and god i'm so i'm so excited i mean yeah. th this if this doesn't get you up out of bed with with a spring in your step to know that you can so anyway i'm just i'm just i'm just thankful that god saw fit 
to use me. Yeah. When I cried out to him, God, I have a broken and wretched life. If you want it, it's yours. If not, please take me out of the game. And he took it. He took it. <laughs> and I'm like a kid in a candy store now, man. This is just so yeah. awesome. Yeah. God bless you. See, I could, I could write you an email just about like that. Yeah. Or the fact that you're helping me. You know, I don't need you to, to pay for my subscription. But I value what you're doing for me. You know, it, it is well, it, it is ministry that you're doing for me, to me. And, uh, you know, this, there's some wisdom that goes with this guy, you know, in terms of, you know, can you get him to a place of success? Can he get enough money to fund his account? You know, there's some practical things that you're really yeah. good at. Yeah, and... So and you got to navigate all that. It'll be a challenge, you know. Sure. There's be a little bit of a language barrier, but uh, I know that God is uh, more than able to overcome that. And I'm just, I'm just so thankful that he that he put this little this little task in my path. And so, yeah. not so, not that I'm sitting around bored with nothing to do, but uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's see, that's a that's close to your heart. And that's something that will make an obvious difference. And you may not see all the differences you're making in the other people that you're working with quite as clearly, but uh, that's the reality. Oh, you know, you just said something so powerful because oftentimes people stop putting seed in the ground because they don't see the harvest. Yeah. And, and friend, understand that that's how it plays out sometimes. You'll put seed in the ground. It's just like my grandmother now. She put seed in me. She prayed over me as a child growing up and, and after I was grown. And she, she never, every time I called her, she spoke a positive confession over my life. Even though she knew I was in the grips of wickedness, she spoke positive confessions over my life. Not, not, not shame on you. You know better than this. You better straighten up or, you know. Son, Jesus loves you. Jesus has something better for you than what you're doing. And, and I love you, and I'm going to keep praying for you. And I'm, and I'm, I'm going to fast and pray for you. I'm like, don't. Don't fast and pray for me. You know, you need to eat. No, she, I'll do what I want. It's my life. But, you know, and so she put all that in me, see. And now I've been through whatever it is I've been through. But because of, well, the grace of God, of course, but then her and the seeds she put in me. Now, now, my my grandmother is almost nice. She's eighty nine, I think. Uh, she's never, I don't think she's ever been more than three hundred miles away from home, uh, where we grew up in Thompson, Georgia. But people are going to get saved and healed in, yeah. in Madrid, Spain, because yeah. of the seed that she planted forty five years ago. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> so friends, uh, if you got children in your home, or uh, it doesn't have to be children, uh, put some good seed in the ground today, and don't sit around wait. You know, a farmer doesn't put seed in the ground and then just sit there and wait for the corn to pop up. He goes on about his business. You know, it, it's up for God to provide the increase. You know, you plant it, you water it, and and God will take care of the rest. Be encouraged. There's there's much work to be done. Uh, is it, what is it? How does it go? Uh, the laborers are few. 
There's plenty of work, but the labors are few. Yeah, so come on, yeah. climb aboard. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Climb aboard the love train here. Hey, man, I have enjoyed this. Um, we may never get through the entire book, but as long as you'll keep coming back every other Friday, I'm going to keep talking to you. Okay. <laughs> you encourage me, man, and 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 if I can be, if if I've been any sort of a little encouragement to you, then that's really a blessing, and I'm I'm thankful for that. And if there's anything I can do, as far as you know, sharing the word with your ministry, like the next time you're going to do a conference, if I can help get the word out via my website or something, you, you know okay. I'm here. All you got to do is ask. Yeah. All you got to do is I'm, ask. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Let's close. We're going to close this thing out. Was there anything you wanted to add? Anything else you wanted nope. to add today? God, I just, I thank you so much for your blessings in my life, God. You've been so good to me. Absolutely. And I want to, I want to take these blessings that you've heaped upon me. And I'm not talking about money, God. I'm talking about the things of the Spirit. The desires of my heart, they're bursting out. And I thank you for that. And I just want you to show me today, tomorrow, and every day, God, how I can be a blessing to someone else. I want to put good seed in the ground every day of my life, God, because I know that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will provide the increase. And I pray over my brother John's ministry, this releasing kings, God. I believe with all my heart that this is a powerful message, that it's a timely message. And I pray for ears that will hear hearts that will respond hands that will go to work I thank you I ask you father that you bless him in every area of his life in his home in his marriage in his finances in his health and in his vision I pray God that you would enlarge his territory enlarge his vision use him father because he is a willing servant. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you, brother. Bless you, Dwayne. Enjoy I'll it. talk to you two weeks from today, right? Okay. All right. Sounds good. Take care, man. You're listening to CFRN, a community of believers who trade for a living. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and how we do it, call toll-free 1-866-928-3310. And we'll send you out a no-obligation information kit absolutely free. 866-928-3310.